0: Welcome to the Mighty Mighty Marson House Podcast. This week's guest, reigning from Seattle, Nima. Yeah.
1: They got a lot of bullshit on these radio stations these days. So we resort to the podcast. Because that's the only spot you can get the truth from. From the true artists. Tapped We're into the underground. Let's, Let's go. Let's yeah. go.
0: 30. Yeah. Tryna trying to delve in the mind of an artist who's honest Who ain't trying to market the nonsense We on this planet for all this it office is awesome And y'all done listening to awful and awkward Songs in rotation on stations and losses Creativeness, ain't it a shame that this all come right to an end But we all must seek to reach a mighty, mighty master With Lawson, E.N.T. Shit everybody i am timothy lawson your host for mighty mighty marson house a podcast collaboration between lost entertainment and marson house recording studios in philadelphia thank you so much for taking the time to listen this week is going to bring us seattle native Nima. i met Nima about a little over 10 years ago uh Shortly before I went to Marine Corps boot camp, he was peddling albums in front of a mall in Seattle. I met him there, copped his album, and I've been a fan ever since. And so it's a real privilege to be able to be able to bring him onto the program and talk to him about his music, how he got introduced to hip hop. We're gonna learn about his collaborations with Twista and Joe Budden and Jagged Edge and how he's been able to connect with Tech Nine and and other artists that have really helped him grow in his career and uh, his development. So it's a really cool conversation, and Nima's just a really cool guy. So, so stoked to be able to have him on the show. No real news out of Marston House other than check out some of the newer ciphers that they've released on Marston House YouTube page, youtube.com slash Marston X House, And of course, you can follow them on Twitter at Marston House, M-A-R-S-T-E-N, Marston House. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Enjoy. Alright, what's going on, everybody? This week I have Seattle hip-hop artist Nima. Sir, welcome to the show.
1: And I'm a dad also, in case anyone was wondering. I'm a dad also.
0: You're a dad?
1: Yeah, I want to be the best father alive.
0: The, which one do you think you're better at at this point in your, uh, Man, in your life? Man,
1: shit, don't ask Madonna, do not ask my kid's mom that. Cause she'll give you a bad answer for both of them. <laughs> he is not impressed with any of my records, but that's okay.
0: Uh, well, I um, I'm a fan, so I, I suppose that that's something, right?
1: Yeah, I'm a fan of you. I
0: I think you're awesome. Well, thank you, thank you very much. Yeah. I, I like I, yeah. I like how we're patting each back real quickly here. I like that. It's good. It's good. It's really good. Yeah, so Nima, I, I gave a short intro uh, about you uh, at, the, at the top of the show. We're into the interview now. What I don't know if you remember that. I, I don't know if I've told you this. I may have mentioned it on Twitter before, but you and I have actually met before. I
1: recall very vaguely, but the thing is, uh, like I already – my head is in a million different places a thousand times, and, and it's crazy because I know that me and you have a past relationship. I didn't know – what you went through and, and the things that you've overcome in your life. And I just think that's really incredible. Uh, and it's inspirational. Like, it makes me want to get up in the morning and go kick some ass. Off. Can I say that on the air? Is that allowed?
0: You absolutely can say that on the air.
1: Okay, great. Yeah, but that's kind of how I feel. It was just really incredible. Like As long as we've known each other, and I never knew that. And then I, and I learned that about you, and I was just like, wow, my man did that. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, so the uh, to to give a little bit of context for the listeners, the like a week before I went to Marine Corps boot camp, I me and my friends were wandering around Seattle as like a last day out or whatever, and we ran into you and another dude that like in front of some mall I think, uh, and you were you were slinging your records, and we were in a good mood. We listened to one of the songs, we liked it, we caught one of them, and I've been a friend, I've been a fan ever since, and then we we connected shortly afterwards has been uh, corresponding since then.
1: That's really great. I mean, that's what I do. I've, I've sold a ton of records hand to hand. I really believe in the, in the face to face communication. Now it's, it's evolved a little bit because, because of technology and it actually has benefited me because if I'm in public now and, and someone asks me for a record, you know, nine times out of 10 now, I'll just be like, Hey man, go, you know, Spotify, you know, YouTube, yeah. iTunes, you know, whatever. Um, but it's just—it's still like the general principle and the general concept of meet someone face to face, shake their hand, you know, give them give them five minutes of your time because you're never gonna see them again. And I just really ride with that principle, and I definitely think uh, that has a lot to do with you know my success. I think everyone has their own formula, and there's there's obviously a thousand ways to do something and be successful at it. But I just I just really really believe in, in just really building with people and. And, uh, you know, because I've met some really amazing people that way. Like, I have met a lot of really cool individuals just from being out in the streets, being out at events, and just talking to people. And it's really, it's it's a good thing. It's
0: good for my ego,
1: too. It's good for my ego, too.
0: (laughs) So before we get into the the flow of questions, I do have something uh, to ask uh, off of what you were just talking about with with the evolution of technology and with music being so easy to access the amount people are willing to invest in the music has gone down tremendously and i know that's definitely true for myself and there's been times where i've in you know so 10 15 years ago it was no problem for me to spend 5 10 dollars on a cd from a guy who's just you know <sighs> he's trying to you know selling out of his trunk or whatever but now like re- a couple years ago i was in vegas and a guy was trying to sell his Six track EP for fifteen bucks, and I was like, "Dude, I don't even pay fifteen yeah, dollars." Yeah, I was, I was like, in, I, 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 pay... I would have a
1: conversation with that
0: guy. Yeah, I was like, I don't even pay that much money for my favorite artist, and I know I'm gonna like their music. I don't know you from a can of paint. Like, I'm not paying fifteen bucks for your EP. And of course, you know there was a little, you know, he tried to back it up with support local music and stuff like that. And I'm like, look, I I'll support you all day. I'm not investing fifteen dollars into six tracks, and I don't where I'm not even confident I'm gonna like it. So what did you uh, end up giving them? Nothing. I didn't even <laughs> buy. I was <laughs> that's
1: great. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah 15's it was a
0: little I mean, steep.
1: Yeah, fifteen's I mean, a little it. steep. I mean, it's 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 common with anything, and and I mean, you know, not that not that I'm a booster or anything, but if you go and you know, if you go and look for something in a store or retail, and then you look for it in the street, generally speaking, I would think you'd want it to be a little bit more, con- you know, affordable, a little bit more. Uh, what's the word, sensible spending. So if I was you, I would have probably given the kid five bucks and kept it pushing. But, you know, 15, hey, he's a big dreamer. That guy's going places. (laughs) That guy's going places. The irony of that is that I leave on uh, next Monday. I leave for Vegas. And actually, Vegas is actually one of my safe havens. Like, when I'm down a few bucks... If I, if I maybe for me like if I put a little bit too much money on my Mariners this year making it to the playoffs, which was the dumbest bet I've ever made in my life, I was just really feeling it. So I put some money on my Mariners making the playoffs. They're obviously not making the playoffs. They're obviously trash. They're obviously the number one reason I have heartburn in this world is my Seattle Mariners. So I'm actually going to Vegas. Uh, I leave on Monday and I'm going to go for a month to do just that—to go pitch my music down there and. I make uh, it's it's just it's a it's a nice getaway for me. It's good money, and you know I just get to meet some really cool people. So I'm I'm looking forward to that, and I'll be down there for about a month. I don't have any shows in Seattle until until uh, October when I come back on tour with Tech Nine. So should be, yeah. be pretty fun stuff.
0: Absolutely, and and uh, the Seattle mayor. So I'm also from Seattle. For anybody for anybody in the audience who is unaware of that I'm I'm originally from that area and. I have actually stopped following and supporting the Mariners. They get a lot of people that are like, oh, that's your team. Yeah, but if I had a friend that made as many bad decisions as the Mariners have been, I wouldn't be their friend anymore. Like, This is true. I, this is very true. And I get like if you if I lived there it'd probably be differently, but I reside now in Washington D.C. Uh, I support the Nats when I can. I have just zero loyalty to the Mariners anymore for that exact reason. If a friend made such poor decisions year after year after year after year, I wouldn't I wouldn't hang out with them anymore. Which is the reason why I don't support the Seattle Mariners anymore.
1: Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. They're like the little brother that I, I always. I mean, I have a little brother, but he's actually quite more astute and aware of the world than the Mariners are. <laughs> It's a tough it's a tough situation, bro. But yeah, just so I'm gonna be in Vegas for a month, and I'm gonna come back and then I go on tour with Tech Nine, uh, then I go on tour with Nappy Roots, then I go on tour with Juvenile, and then it's just pretty much like when fall kicks in, it's just full steam ahead. I'm on the road yeah. full time. And it's uh Absolutely. it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool.
0: So, Nima, not everybody in the audience is, is familiar with uh, with you and your music, so let's get them warmed up a little bit. Let's go back to that day that you first discovered hip-hop. What was that like? What what brought you to the culture?
1: Ooh, I would say I got interested in hip-hop music when I heard Tupac, All Eyes on Me. I fell in love with hip-hop when I heard Biggie, Life After Death. Biggie's double disc. Life after death, 100%, made me fall in love with hip hop music and just the whole concept of beats, rhymes, the way it's come together, the way it's put together. And then over the years, I would say Jay Z's Blueprint is probably the album that changed my life. Though as far as wow, I'm gonna, I want to make records, like I want to make records. Probably Jay Z's Blueprint, but the Tupac, the Biggies, that's that's the era I grew up in for sure.
0: So, like, what, uh, rough about what, what year is that, uh, about?
1: Shit, I'm, I'm old, bro. Uh, 2000, <laughs> probably. Right when, right when the Twin Towers hit, right around that time. I remember, I remember going to Fred Meyer the day that the Twin Towers hit, and I went and bought Jay Z's Blueprint album, and it just floored me. And it actually, at that moment, it made me completely forget about what was going on in the world and all the evil things that we're dealing with in the world at that time. Yeah. So, it was pretty
0: so, cool. So then, how how much long after? So you, so 2001, you're listening to Blueprint. It's changing your life. You you want to make music. How soon after then is Nima putting down rhymes? Are you you're writing, freestyling, whatever? Like when did you finally start rapping?
1: I would say about a year later, about a year later, and then by 04 is when I put my first record out, and it just got crazy after that because I was really. Really, really successful regionally at a young age. I put out my first record in Seattle in '04, just a demo record, um, but it actually got picked up by the local radio station. And as a result of that, I ended up getting a record deal with um, with MCA Records at the time. Their, their label is defunct now. It got bought out by Geffen Records, um, and yeah. it was just a crazy learning experience for me because I got... I got signed to the label at a really young age. You know, I had not a ton of money, but, you know, I had a little bit of money from my deal that I put away. Uh, and just, just, But just, it's just like athletes when you're, you know, when you're 22, 23 years old and you just get thrown right into the league. You know, it's, it's like you're a deer in headlights. You're like, whoa, you know, and I definitely wasn't prepared for it. Um, but everything's like a learning experience. So, you know, I'm signed with MCA. I'm taking trips back and forth. I'm 22, 23 years old driving back and forth to California, taking label meetings and just meeting some really incredible people in the music industry that at the time I didn't realize, you know, like I'm meeting A&Rs and, and label executives. That At the time, I have no clue who these people are. I don't even think twice. And now I'm looking back at it like, wow, I was hanging with some really, you know, people that I'm friends with now. But at the time, I wouldn't have known that they were big dogs in the industry. So it's it's a pretty cool thing. I've been very much like grandfathered into the into the music industry because i was in it at a young age so a lot of people feel like i'm kind of like the little brother you know they want to take care of me and that's why i've kind of as i've gotten older uh you know i've had you know people that have kind of looked out for me like tech nine people like uh like jagged edge r&b group those guys have done so much for me in my career that I, i couldn't even begin to describe it um I mean, I could go on and on. There's a laundry list of people that have just helped me that I'm just very grateful for it. I mean, you just you get humbled by it because at the end of the day, I'm I'm not that important. I think I'm that important, but I'm really you, you know, know.
0: You know, I'm, I'm glad it's it's actually really man. It is so refreshing to hear that though because what it those two things realizing okay people really care about me but i'm also not that important that the intersection of those two realizations is really what, cre- what is like the perfect um the perfect mixture of inspiration and humbleness you know what i mean like you're you're humbled by the fact like i don't actually matter in the grand scheme of the world i do not matter but all these people around me want to take care of me and that inspires me and so being able to move forward with your aspirations while realizing none of this is really anything I deserve past what people are willing to give me is I think, I think that leads a very peaceful career. Am I right?
1: Yeah. uh, Except peaceful is definitely not a word I would use to describe my career. I have (laughs) definitely partied hard. I have definitely like just gone hard in the paint. And I mean, I'm legendary in Seattle. Like, I mean, I'll be humble in the grand scheme of things, but if we're talking about just my little neck of the woods, I'm definitely like king out here and, I'm not shy about it. I mean, I'll say it. Like, I definitely... I mean, you see me on Twitter, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, your listeners can follow me. My Twitter handle is at Mr10K, uh, and uh, they can follow my antics on there because I definitely do talk shit, but it's all in good fun because I do realize, in the grand scheme of things, like, we are not important. We, we're entertainers. You know, yeah. we're here We're here to take people's minds off of what's really going on in the world.
0: Sure. So what so, so- 2004 that's happening when did you notice that your skill set took a significant jump of improvement like when were you like oh damn i I am Um, i I would say i would say
1: 2008 probably four or five years in uh four or five years in uh is when i started like it just clicked one day one day you click and you realize like wow i'm improving at a rapid rate i think it's just like athletes you know you you exercise over and over and over and over again, and eventually, like, you realize that there, hey, there are results happening right now. This is a good thing. Um, but I really, as an artist, I wasn't happy with my music. Like, the, example, my catalog that I released to the public, I nobody can get any of my records that are older than, say, eight years old. All my demo stuff, unavailable. All my, just all the others. Like, it's just because there's a certain quality... And you want it to be authentic at the same time. So you should, and that there's, there's where that means, you know, like, like, do I let people hear early stuff? Eh, probably not. So like, you know, I choose what's out to the public. And especially now with the internet, you put a record out, it's out there forever. So you got to be careful about that too. But I would say was probably on my third actual project. That's called the essence, but it's what I call my first solo project. Um, So I have, so if someone in the public asked me, like, how many records you got? i say, well, you know, I've been doing this a long time. Over the course of my career, I've got this many projects i work on. But as far as actual solo Nima albums, there's three projects. There's NEMA, The Essence, NEMA, Black Roses, and NEMA, The Cigar Room, which is my most recent release. And those can all be found on iTunes if your listeners want to go make a purchase and support my daughter because I have to pay her tuition at school. And that is expensive, if you guys were wondering. <laughs> Kids' tuition <laughs> for private school is expensive. So I'm going to just throw I can that imagine.
0: Out we'll, we will definitely... Because I don't want her to note. end up
1: with someone like me. You know, I don't want her right. to end up with, with a scumbag rapper from the town. So, you know. Right. <laughs> like, that's,
0: that's that's the goal of every father, right? I want I my daughter to so. date someone I that's at so. least better than me. Yeah,
1: definitely. Definitely. So that's kind of where I'm at. And just it, it's just a really cool thing. And, and yeah, I've, I've sold a ton of records. I, I threw a ton of big events in Seattle and I'm kind of just a fun guy and, you know, they call me Uncle Jesse. So, you know, it gives you a little bit of perspective.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll have, I'll embed one of your, one of your videos into the show notes with links below it for people to, to go to iTunes if they want to support <laughs> your music. Um, Unexpected arrival, I think is the that's the I think that's the CD that I bought from you.
1: Yeah, and that was my demo with my group at the time. Definitely, definitely.
0: Yeah. Um. So let's uh, let's talk creative process now. That you, I mean, you said you've been in the game for a very long time. Your approach to music is probably. Uh, shifted in some ways, but probably been, stayed the same. in a lot. Uh, tell us about your creative process. When you when you get motivated or inspired to to write some music, do you you know where does it start? Does it start with the lyrics? Does it start with the beat? Does it start with conceptualizing? It always starts a, a with the beat. Guitar. It
1: always starts with the beat. There's some some songwriters that basically when they're working, they, they might they might be doing something. And, and they'll just get inspired and, and, and right off of that. But that's not necessarily like how I work. My, my creative process is very calculated. It's very much, uh, like we'll, we'll put aside two months in the year, like, Hey, this is where we're in the studio and we'll round up all the beats and, you know, I'll get my, my tools, you know, what else rappers need in the studio. And, and I'll just go and I'll just, I'll go and I'll go cook, you know, I'll go cook and, it's usually like a two three month process, but I'll knock out most of the records within that time.
0: Yeah, and
1: I'll cool. just I'll just sit there I'll just sit there just to take the listeners a little more in depth. You know, I'll put a beat on in the studio. We'll be in the studio for five hours. I'll put a beat on, listen to it for you know a few hours, and and you know I don't use any pen or paper. Everything I do is written in my head. Um, you know I'll put a beat on, work on a record. I'll have a ton of people with me in the studio. It's very much a party atmosphere. Uh, and then I just go to work, man. It's just like you know, Tim the Tool Man, Allen. Just get to work. It's <laughs> it. really good. It's really perfect.
0: So you've, as you mentioned at the top of the show, you've collaborated with a lot of artists: uh, Joe Budden, Wingo, Twista, Crooked, just to name a few. And then, of course, t- uh, tons of uh, local artists there in in Seattle, who notably has been some of your. Uh, Some of the better, not really the better artists to work with, but like ones that were really like a pleasure to collaborate with where you're both feeding off of each other and really goal oriented on making that track. Yeah, definitely.
1: Uh, I mean, like I said before, my relationship uh, with the R&B group Jagged Edge, they're a little bit older, but uh, those guys have been super good to me. Uh, The work I've done with Slaughterhouse, Crooked Eye and Joe Budden. Those are some really cool songs. Uh, Joe Budden is an absolute monster in the studio. Uh, and then just my relationship with Ted Nine and all his, and his camp with Strange Music. Anytime I'm in the studio with those guys, it's um, I'll put it to you like this: you'd rather be in the studio with people that you know give a damn about you, rather than just a business person that you're cutting a record with. It's very rarely am I just going to go do a song with somebody for some money. You know, like I I'm, yeah. I'm just—that's not really like my style. Now, of course, I'm gonna take the money, but it's not something that I like enjoy doing. I'd rather build with somebody. I'd rather have an organic relationship with somebody where I can say, "Hey, let's go make a record real quick," and then we go do it. There's no angles. You know what I mean? There's no. It's it's it, you'd prefer to do it that way. You know, but sometimes things do do have to be done on a business level as well, and I understand that
0: yeah I just saw it on Facebook the other day uh mad Child from swollen members is, has a pr- you know promotion right now where he's uh, opening himself up to to features and collaborations and stuff like that and I, you know you know I, I'm sure that if there's there's a level of mcs to where no matter whether it's business or not being able to say that mad child's on your track is worth something but I think i think at some point you know even if you're not bigger than mad child you there is a level of, of talent and a level of passion for your music where it's like i don't want the people on my on my on my music to be simply a uh, the result of a business transaction
1: Not at all i'm i i would not even the ones that i've worked with where i did have to treat it more of a business transaction i wouldn't I wouldn't want too many of those. I I really, because it's, and it's deeper than that. It's not just a pride thing. Like, we're artists, so as an artist, you're already kind of messed up. You know what I mean? You're already kind of an artist for a reason, like you're a little left of center. We're all kind of weirdos. So, (laughs) like, you'd rather be with friends. You know what I mean? You you value friendships. I I guarantee you every artist in the world Values their friends on a very deep level and their and their comfort circle and I mean that's no different for me I'm pretty sure that's no different than for Matt Child I'm sure that he feels the same way if you ask him the same question so I mean there is a there's definitely uh, a cutoff there's sure there's definitely a cutoff yeah. where you're like eh I don't feel yeah, comfortable I mean, doing this I'll let you I point out I, that I can re- tell you in my career I have turned down. A couple of checks that if if, if number one if, if someone saw it and they're like dude why didn't you take that bread and it just didn't feel right you know what I mean it just didn't feel right it wasn't worth it not all money is good money but then here's the flip side of it few years down the road I'm looking back like ah I wish I would have took that check <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's kind of like it goes both ways like I found myself the other day like sitting here like man I could have used this I, I'm not gonna say any names I don't want to like put myself on black and I don't want to put this artist on black because it's a very, very, very well-known artist. But a few years ago I had a chance to work on a record and I felt like the, what they were offering me was kind of below market value and I was just in a bad mood and I was like, you know what? I don't want to do the record. I'm good. Thank you though. And, uh, and, but now looking back on it, I'm like, fudge, man, this guy just blew up and I should have done the record. <laughs> it is what it is though. You know, it happens. Yeah.
0: I'll hey, tell you yeah, off yeah, I, the
1: record. I'll tell you off the record, but because I don't even want to, I can't. I cannot even say it. But it happens. It does happen. So,
0: yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, um, you know, we'll, uh I'll save that question for the the quick lightning round at the end. Yeah, so yeah, it's I, good. I uh, I like getting I like getting into artist music because that's really what this show. This the reason why I do this show. Is my inspiration on doing Mighty Mighty Marson House was I want to talk to artists about their lyrics. I want to get into the stories, the inspiration, the meanings behind some of these lines. So yeah, yeah um, let's go. Yeah, so we're. Um, I guess it, it technically isn't in one of your lyrics, but in the beginning of the track "Cigar Room" off of uh, the album with the same name, in the be at the at the prelude of the track. I wanna welcome everybody to the cigar room ladies and gentlemen place of celebration
1: your glasses place of accomplishment
0: what what specifically has you experiencing these two feelings during the creation of that album
1: i uh man i'm i've been drunk off my own power out here in seattle just being able to to maneuver how i want to maneuver uh overcoming all kinds of things, overcoming addiction, overcoming debt, overcoming, you know, uh, my family, you know, breaking apart, over, just, and though, no, it's, it's, I, I want to be specific. It's mostly, we're speaking internally, at least for me. And if you listen to the whole album front to back, that's kind of what it is. It's, it's a, it's a, it's an overcome of, of the internal struggle. When I first was recording the cigar room, I actually was calling it the cigarette room. Because back in, the, uh, back in the 40s and 50s, like if you worked at like you know General Mills or whatever or, or any, any job that a hardworking man went to, rolled his sleeves up every day, they had these things called the cigarette room, which it, it basically it's, that's what it is. It's a room. People just went to go smoke and take a nap or whatever. But they had these rooms where you basically would just be able to go get away and breathe, you know, relatively speaking for a minute. And that's where that whole concept of the project came from. It was going to be called the Cigarette Room, and then it just kind of evolved into the Cigar Room, and it's just kind of my getaway, my place, you know. And, and it's all of those things. It's not just celebration. It's not just accomplishment. It's all of the things that I talk about in the record. It's it's you know the negativity too. It's it's not it's not all peaches and cream. Like we, you know people overcome a lot in their lives, and that's kind of what I wanted to go for with this album. Uh, you know, people could relate to it, hopefully.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to going going back a few years to your album, The Essence. Um, You have a track on there called "Listen to the Rain," and uh one of the lines. Let me spit to the children, tell them to never stop now. The school of life is never too late for a dropout. No oh yeah. Out. Yeah. So let me. You know, I think that's still that stood out to me because I think. um you know, I would like to hear, your, like, what was the inspiration behind that line? Like, how did it resonate with you? And, you know, the, a follow-up question would be, do you think that, you know, inner-city children are, are quick to give up on their own potential simply because they drop out of school?
1: Uh, I was, that was definitely a metaphor for me in my uh, battle with alcoholism, and that was more of what I was referring to. Uh, but... I, I, man, I can't even really speak on the inner city youth because I don't know the statistics, but you would think, you, you would think that, uh, basically, I, you know, it's a tough call for me. I mean, you always want to like encourage people, but I mean, like me personally, I'm just now going back to school because I never needed to, you know what I mean? So, like, I, I would always encourage people, like, just don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. But I'm, you know, I mean, I see it all the time on television, people are getting encouraged to go back to school. Especially in this day and age, I just think education is really important. Not so much what I was referring to in that line. Literally, it was more of a metaphor, and that was me when I was dealing with you know my, my bouts with depression, my bouts with alcoholism. Yeah, yeah. So it was well, more well, of a metaphor at the time. But since you're asking, I mean, naturally, yeah. Like you want you want people to never give up on education. I, I wish I didn't, you know, I, I stopped college right in the middle of, you know, when I was getting my degree, and I, I regret it now, but I'm going back, I, just because I never needed it, you know, but you find out
0: down the road that actually you do need it, you know, <laughs> it's more than just a piece of paper, bro, so. So, let's, like, you know, but I don't, I don't want to stray the conversation away from the metaphor that it represents, tell us more about what was going on and why you felt like that represented your situation.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, at the time when The Essence dropped, I was still sitting on a ton of money. I was still fresh off of my breakup with my girlfriend at the time. And I just, I ran to a bottle, point blank. I ran to a bottle and I, in the beginning process of recording that album, uh, I was still pretty much a drunk. Uh, But by the end of that album, I was sobering up enough to the point where I could recognize what my own faults were. and And that's when I made that song.
0: So I want to before we get into the the wrap up, um, I do want I want to talk about Seattle hip hop for a little bit. And um, if, if any if you ask any average rap fan across America, name me a, a rapper from Seattle. Macklemore is, is going to be the first answer out of everybody's mouth. As he should Wait, be, yes sir, yes sir, as he should be, absolutely. Um, What's unique about that is if you ask someone, name me a rapper from L.A., New York, Atlanta, Houston, you know, Chicago, all the other major metropolitan cities where hip hop is is alive and well, you would get a mix of answers. But right, but with Seattle, it's one answer unless someone happens to know that Sir mix from Seattle and they want to throw that out there as a joke. Otherwise, it's Macklemore across the board. What has what? It, has that done anything to the the culture there? That there is one mainstream representative now uh, that is experiencing huge success. Has that inspired more people in the culture? Has it sort of uh, drowned? Uh, I guess maybe the, the the new involvement, the new artists. What, what has it done to, to the to the culture there in Seattle as far as hip hop goes?
1: I think for and it's a two sided answer. I think for Artists that are very brittle and don't have their stuff together and are maybe not feeling so great about themselves, that's going to hurt their ego. But for the people that who have grown up with Macklemore, who have been there the whole time, uh, we all love it, man. We all love that someone's even looking in our city because the natural reaction as a fan of music, if you find a region with one artist that's already popular, the first thing you're going to ask is, hey, who else is popular from out here? I want to hear other artists from out here. I can't even begin. I'm on one record with Macklemore, and I can't even tell you how, how much that's helped my career as far as a trickle-down umbrella effect. Uh, it's done nothing but good things. I have nothing but great things to say about the guy. He does a lot more in the community than he gets credit for, and he does a lot more for artists in the community that, that they give credit for. Uh, so I, I can't really ride with the fact when people are like, well, it, it might may or may not hurt our, our community. No, there's nothing bad about it. It's only good. It's what you do with it as an artist. Me personally, I'm a self-motivator. I'm a self-starter. So I'm going to take what he's doing. I mean, it's, I mean, it's like a baseball team. If, if you want out and you get the best power hitter, and this does nothing to do with the Mariners because they don't get this logic. But let's just say you, you're a GM of a baseball team. <laughs> If you go out and you go and sign, the best designated hitter money can buy. And you're like, we're going to plug this designated hitter. Everyone knows him. He's the MVP of the league. And we're going to put him in our lineup. Everyone on the team is going to look at that like, wow, we just got better, except for whoever's job he's taking. So there's always going to be that one little snarly like, ah, screw this guy, of course, in everything in life. But for the most part, 99.9%. The team loves him. Our city loves him. I love the guy. He's been great to all the people that he came up with. It's only a good thing. It only helps team morale. It only helps city morale. And I mean, I could I can name off in my head right now six or seven specific incidents where just me even being on a song with that guy has helped me out in my career. So it's it's a it's a great thing. It's a beautiful thing. I can't I can't I can't even overstate it. It's it's a it's a great situation all around.
0: Very cool. That was a that was a really that was an excellent answer. Um so the quick uh, the quick lightning around that has no specific And just name. for the record, I was
1: not the designated hitter. that lost my job. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is this commentary on how you're giving up because of his success? No. Um uh if you could you worked with a lot of artists but I know there's still more that you'd like to work with. If I could reach out and get any MC from around the world to come do an NEMA track, who you want me to get for you?
1: Not Meek Mill.
0: Um not Meek Mill. That was, oof, gosh. I'm fresh Meek, up Meek Mill raps like there's Novocaine in a random random part of his mouth. Man, Not like I, one just, side, I
1: just feel thing. really bad for the guy. He got destroyed by Drake. And I. And as another artist, I shouldn't even be commenting on it. But, my God, that was brutal. What Drake did to Meek Mill was brutal. Like, that's a hardcore. Um, any artist ever in the world, do they have to be alive or, or can just be dead or alive?
0: Uh, yeah, you, uh, I, can, maybe, I may be able to resurrect some people. Okay, I, yeah, let's, let's
1: go. Let, if I could have a jam session for a Nima song, and it's all of my favorite people, I would say first you got to go get Jimmy. Have Jimmy come lay down some guitar riffs for us. Uh, I would definitely probably want to holler at Timbaland for a beat. He's probably my favorite producer of all time. And as far as MCs, my natural gut reaction obviously would be go get Jay-Z for a track. But I will, will, for the sake of this answer, I would say, you know what? I would want to do,
0: man,
1: this is so cheesy, but I want to do a record with Dre. I think he makes the best music right now.
0: Okay. Very well.
1: Over at Timbaland Uh, Beat with Jimi Hendrix on some guitar.
0: Love that. And where do you want to perform that song? What's the what's a what's the fantasy performance location for you? Uh, Venue, I city. went and
1: saw Dave Matthews Man at Red Rocks when I was younger, and that's somewhere I'd really like to perform if I was ever on that level uh, to where I could draw that many fans for an event.
0: Yeah, that was, probably, and that was
1: question, Dave Dave Matthews at Red Rocks was probably the best live music experience I've ever had.
0: I can imagine. I've, uh, I've asked this question to a handful of people and I think you would actually be able to answer it best since you've worked with a couple members of Slaughterhouse. If you could get on a Slaughterhouse track but you had to replace one of the four guys <laughs> on I'm the track... I'm not answering that. No, I'm not. Who, who, are you taking, <laughs> who are you taking off the track for your opportunity to get on it?
1: No, I'm not doing it. I can't. I know those guys. They're going to call me pissed off. I'm not going to answer that. But I would say that... I would say... Uh, I would say don't put me on any songs they have with Eminem because that's... That's just too much pressure. Um,
0: Alternative question of the songs that they've put out, which one do you, which one have you heard wishing that you could have gotten a a, a verse on?
1: The BET Cypher. That BET Cypher they did was, was absolutely nuts. And I, and I actually was watching that like, man, I wish I was on this. Uh, The same thing with the strange music BET Cypher a couple years ago. That was something that I saw that I was just like, man, but to give you an alternative answer, any song that's out right now that I wish I was on, I would say the the speedum with uh, Chris Calico, Eminem and Tech Nine. That's a song that I wish I could have jumped on, no doubt right. about it. And I would have, and I could have handled my business accordingly,
0: like that. So uh, you just you just texted me um, the the flyer for a tour you're about to hop on with Tech Nine. Tell us about that
1: yeah so uh October eighteenth we're gonna kick it off in Seattle, hopping it on the road with the boy Tech nine Big brother, and uh we're just gonna really do incredible things. It's gonna be beautiful, and I'm very excited. I work with these guys nonstop and it's just it's not even business at this point. it's family, it's great. I love it,
0: yeah, absolutely so at the end of every track or at the end of every podcast, I do a feature track of the artist that's on. Uh, from Cigar Room, I'm assuming, what, what song should we let represent uh, Nima for both your fans and people who have maybe never heard of you?
1: Well, it depends. Are Is cursing aloud on your podcast? Is language uh, a barrier? Because you might need to pick a track that's clean. So if, if, language, uh,
0: language is not a barrier for the track.
1: Got it. Okay, so I would yeah. say the second track on the album, it's called Shots Fired. It's with me and Chris Talico. It's a great song. And it definitely showcases my lyrical uh,
0: flexibility. Wonderful. I like that. Nima, thank you so much for the opportunity to chat with you, man. We've been uh, been trying to get this together for a while. I'm glad we finally were able to make it happen. I've been a fan of yours for years, and I'm looking forward to even more music down the road.
1: No, I really appreciate it. We're going to talk off the air because I want to tell you about that story. (laughs) I want to tell you about it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening. I am Timothy Lawson and on behalf of Steve, Ethan, and the rest of us here at Marson House. We'll see you next week.
1: Pull the we said, right. Hey Cali, I got this It's your boy Nima checking in Seattle As always Ooh yeah. Shots fire, fire, fire Nima run the city Everybody looking tired Tired, tired And yeah, you know that I can get it I'm a motherfucking grinder I'm a rider. Seattle rap God My word is the Bible You should try it Look that like, your hands up, where it's all my disciples. I'm the booster to the smile. I'm the church and the choir. If you buy it, all fake cast buying cast always bullshitting when they should be driving. Find me, I'm VIP, all peace. Getting money, I burn trees. Work so hard, poor me. Go the way, just keep boring. Bitch, I'm Jordan. Stutting all these haters. Shots fired, you know this. Bang, I mean, bang, and it ain't never been a thing for me to swing on them. No. Hang with a gang, gonna get that gang if we sang and we blow. No. We ain't no stranger than letting it rain, cause strange stranger, they know. We can be blamed, but we can never be tame cause we program to go, okay, shots fired, trying to take that head out, okay, shots fired, I'm loose and letting that let out, okay, shots fired, when I'm busting, you know I get out, we going in, what you pull the pin, we set off, yeah, go ahead and let me set off, off. yeah, shots fired, i be flowing like the king, but these motherfuckers tyrants Somebody bring the sirens, cause these shows, they surviving. i be killing MCs. here's the moment of silence Here's the moment I tried it And all the women in town say that Nima's the nicest Baby thought I'm the flyest Nima's so cool, swag so icy Move records like Bad Boy in 03 And my mouthpiece Goldie, and my roster's golden No 49er, but if I find her, I'ma catch her like Bolden I'm a purple Mac dog, got that fire And all the homeboys smoke. On top of that, you own me, you own me. And all the Haters don't come on, this. Is the new anthem? And the shots fired, and you know this. Ooh. Bang, I mean, bang, and it ain't never been a thing for me to swing on them. No. Hang with a gang that'll get that gang if we sang oh, and we blow. Yeah. We ain't no stranger than letting it rain, cause we stranger. They know no. and we can be blamed, but we can never be tamed. Program to go okay, shots fired, trying to take their head out okay
0: shots fire loose and letting that let out okay shots fire when i'm busting, you know i get out we going in what you pull the pin we set out bang <laughs>